Watch God. Watch me. Watch us change the world. So we are speaking around the kingdom collectively all over the world. It's ironic that if you go through Instagram accounts of pastors and leaders throughout the different nations, different continents, we're all on the same subject matter, 2020 vision. It's almost like if the entire body of Christ got together and had a collective meeting and all the pastors said, what are we preaching for 2020? 2020 vision. Of course, you take advantage of the time. You speak prophetically into the season. 2020 vision. Today's message is keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. So I, we, we've been speaking about Elijah and, and how Elijah saw um, something that others had not seen because of his commitment to prayer, surrounding himself with people that he can trust explicitly, his commitment to bowing low when God would take him high. We laid all that down. And before we get into the New Testament and give you an example of 2020 vision, the commitment here, by the way, is by faith through Christ, you and I are going to see what we've never seen before. The idea is not even an idea. It is not even a supposition or a proposition. It's not even theoretical or hypothetical. You need to come in agreement with me that we, in the name of Jesus, for the glory of Christ, are about to see in our respective lives, in our families, in all aspects of our... We are about to see Jesus like we've never seen before. The power of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the favor of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the covering of Jesus, the breakthrough of Jesus like we've never seen before. Now, how many are committed to me? How many are certain that this year you will see? And I don't mean like, in, in, I see it in my prayer closet. How many believe that physically speaking, you will see the manifestation of what you've been praying for? Half of you believe it. How many believe that with your eyes, you will see the fulfillment of what you've been praying for and fasting for and worshiping for, that you've been through hell for, that you survived for? How many believe you're not only going to see it here, you're going to see it in the people around you that you love? How many believe that God is not limited just to people and spirituality, but you can see it in your health? About 60%. How many believe that you can see it in your career and in your dream and in your finances? In all, how many believe that in every aspect of your life, you're not going to see devils, demons, legions, sin, failure, destruction, defeat? You're going to see the glory, the grace, and the gift of the Messiah, the resurrected. So, this Elijah man continues the narrative, and I want to speak to you briefly on another part of his story that speaks about seeing things you've never seen before. So we, we've preached on this some years back. It's a book coming out next year that I'm writing called The Plow of Perseverance and the Mantle of Promotion. El Elijah he picks his successor via the conduit of God's instruction, 1 Kings 19, 19. And he finds this man named Elijah pushing a plow. Now, that's not the story for now. The story is pushing forward now. Both Elijah and Elisha saw something. Here's what the conversation sounded like. What do you want to see, Elisha? I want to see me receiving a double portion of what you have. You want a double portion of what I have, a double portion of your spirit, a double portion of your anointing, a double portion of your favor, I want a double portion of what you have. Then Elijah, his response is, if you walk with me, if you walk with me, I said, if you walk with me, so you got, if, if you're willing to walk with me throughout the course of the journey, 
if you're willing not to abandon me, even when temptations arise, even when you're tested, even when the test comes for you to leave me, if you're willing to hold on to me and walk with me, if you watch me and you keep an eye on me, when I let go of the cloak, the mantle, when I let go of what represents what God has placed on me, if you keep an eye on me, it's yours. It's yours. So both Elijah and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah saw a whirlwind of fire take him up. He saw what he never saw before, actually what no one ever seen before. And Elisha saw the mantle descending, picked it up, and he saw upon his life what he had never seen before. So I need all of us to get ready because we are about to pick up some stuff. We are about to walk with the right people. I'm going to preach now in a second. I'm going to say that one more time. We're going to learn to walk away from the wrong people. We're going to learn to walk away from people that can't handle the bless us. We're we're going to learn to walk away from people that have another agenda. We're going to walk away from people that are actually just, you know, contaminating our atmosphere. And and, and you can't even say, Pastor Sam, that's not too Christian. Can we walk away from people like I alluded to last week? The answer is yes. It's biblical both in the old and the new. Even the apostle Paul speaks to the other disciples and says, there are certain people that you walk with and certain people that you walk away from, but you still pray for them. So yes, yeah, not every Everyone is meant to be around you if they're not taking you up if they're not lifting you high now there are people that God brings into your life for you to do ministry to and for you to pick them up that's beautiful but I'm talking about the haters and those that have a closet agenda and those that are going to be used by the enemy to hinder the fulfillment of your purpose you're going to walk with the right people this year because you're about to see God pour out mantles of anointing and favor and grace and So let's get, let me, let's hurry here. Let, let me get into the first point. And the narrative is from 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to read it. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And they, they, they made pit stops. They did. Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho and Jordan, they made these pit stops that all have prophetic significance. Number one, if you're taking notes, good luck with that. Number one, keep your eyes by letting go of the past and holding on to your first love. Let me repeat that. Keep your eyes on the prize by letting go of the past and holding on to your first love. So on on route to seeing what they've never saw before, Elijah began a journey with great spiritual prophetic significance. It was no coincidence that Elijah says, you want what I have. You want to see a double portion of everything that God has done in me Upon you. Yeah, I want it. I want it. All right. Follow me. First stop, Gilgal. Let's make a stop. Gilgal. He began at Gilgal. Now, why would Elijah bring Elisha to this place called Gilgal? Why? Gilgal was the place when the Israelites crossed the Jordan. They began their journey at Gilgal. Gilgal was the place where Joshua and the Israelites built an altar with the stones they picked up from the Jordan. Joshua 4.6, we make it legal in this church. We will use these stones to build a memorial, an altar. In the, in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? 
It was that, that commemorative altar. It was there at Gilgal that the Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. Elijah's journey into his best season ever. Elijah's journey into his best season ever began at the place where the first altar was built when they crossed over. You missed it. They began at the beginning. They went back to the beginning. They went back to the place of breakthrough. After they, after they went through Egypt and they were emancipated from Egyptian slavery, after they survived the desert, a new generation emerges. And the first thing they did was build an altar right when they crossed over to Jordan. The first altar in the promised land. In the matter of fact, it wasn't just an altar and a memorial. It was the place they would come back to. Do your biblical due diligence. Every time they would have a battle in Israel, they would go back to that place. The military commanders would meet around a circle of stones and there they would decide who to attack and when to attack. You know, you're going to get this in a second. So Elisha go back to the story. Elisha says I want what you have. I want to see what you've seen but more of it. Elisha says and you got to go back to the beginning. You got to go back to the altar. You got to go back to the first love. We're going to get a little bit old school here but I hope you create some space for this. I know it's going to sound weird to some of you but man, if the church would go back to the altar, if the church would go back to the place, if the church would go back, and I don't mean just the physical altar, this is great. By the way, I have no qualms. If we're going to build an auditorium, if we are going to build a place, and by, and by the grace of God, we, we got an approval from our board, we're going to build an auditorium that fits 1,750 people. So we're going to have, but if, if all we do is build a big auditorium with cameras and lights and lots of seats, but we don't have an altar space that's open for people to repent and to come to Jesus and to embrace the love of Jesus, then all we have is a show. The difference between entertainment and prophetic encounters is that there's a space that, and I don't, it sounds weird, Pastor Sam, it's just a space, but it's not just any space. It's the space where the chains of addiction fall off. It's the space where depression, it's the, it's the space where alcoholism dies and drug abuse dies it's the space it's the space it's the space where a 14 year old girl that was sexually abused comes into this place and says from this moment on I will no longer have suicidal thoughts I know I am God's masterpiece and I'm made in the image of God it's that space talking about safe spaces boom boom this is a safe space So here's the commitment. Here's the commitment. Gilgal, the altar. If the Lord says, go back to the beginning. Go back to the place where you first encountered me. Begin by knowing how it all started. Go back to that place. I don't want to harbor on this point. But man, to a great degree, we go to the book of Revelation. When, when John is hearing from the Spirit of God giving him truths about different churches, the church of Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 4, he speaks to the church and says, you know, you've done great things as a church. You guys are beautiful in so many areas, but I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. 
And another version says you've lost your first love. I'm not preaching condemnation. All I'm telling you is in the book of Revelation, there came a moment where the Spirit of God is speaking to the prophet of God and saying, you all do great things and I love you in your mind, but you lost that first love. You don't love me the way you used to love me. You don't even love each other the way you used to love each other. I'm here to speak to you prophetically. I need you to get ready. We're going back to Gilgal this year in this decade. We're going... I am praying. Now, how many remember that first day that you encountered the grace of Jesus? How many remember the moment that Jesus set you free? How the day after, the day after and the week after, you were so psyched. You were, you were like different. You, I mean, people wouldn't even recognize you. I need you to get ready. You're going back to your first love. I'm going to say that one more time. You're going back to that you. You're not going back to the sinful you. You're not going back to the broken you. You're not going back to the victim you. You're not going back to the defeated you. But you're going back to the praying you. And the worshiping you. And the praising you. And the fasting you. You're going back to your first love. How many are ready to go back to Gilgal? It's that Gilgal. How many really truly remember the day that the blood of Jesus washed your sins? How many remember the day that they actually told Jesus, come into my life? If you do, raise your hands. You should know that date like the date of your birth date. Because spiritually speaking, it is more significant. Oh, man. And there was a singer back in, in my generation, actually not, well, he was older, but I, I grew up listening to him my entire life, a guy named Andre Crouch. And, and, and he, he, the iconic songwriter, put it this way. He had a song called, Take Me Back. And it's not about going back to your past, going back to your shame. No, 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 no. Back to that first love, back to Gilgal. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. That idea of going back to that place, that place of, hey, you want what I have? I'm going to show you where it started. I'm going to show you where it started. But, but it's not, but it, again, it's not just where it started. So he goes, so what happened here? This is where it all started. This is the altar, the circle of stones. That's, that's what Gilgal means, rolling away, because it was rolled away. It's right here. So, uh, uh, okay, but it's not, not only that. What's not only that? This is the place where God said, in Gilgal, God said, so your parents didn't make it, and you did. Your parents didn't make it because they were whining in the desert. And they couldn't let go of their slavery mentality from Egypt. So they didn't make it. But your generation did. You're the children of the people that didn't make it. Now, now we need to do something right here at Gilgal. Do, this is awesome. We're going to have to circumcise all the men here. And the reason we're going to circumcise you is to show the fact that we're separating you from your past. You're no longer connected to the negative things in your past. You will honor your parents now. You will actually fulfill what they couldn't fulfill. You will do what they wanted to do but didn't have the spiritual bandwidth to do. So now uh, we're going to circumcise you, and the Bible says, to remove the reproach and separate you from the past. Oh, you're going to get this in a second. First of all, let me tell you in Jesus' name, you're going to do what your parents couldn't do. 
I'm going to say that one more time. You're going to conquer what your parents couldn't conquer. You're going to possess what your parents couldn't possess. And God is separate. When you go to Gilgal, it reminds you that God separated you from everything that could have possibly stood in your way. The reproach is gone. I'm here to tell you, put a smile on your face. When you begin your journey at Gilgal, you know that there is no shame on your name. Therefore, now there is no condemnation. That means you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. You're a child of God. What does this mean? Read it. At Gilgal, he said, it's a new you. It's a new season. It's a new beginning. You don't walk like them. You don't talk like them. You behave differently. This is not Egypt, and it's not the desert. It's the promised land. So you act like you're a child of God, like this land was ordained for you. I need you. You stepped into a brand new decade. You don't walk around defeated. You don't walk. It's not 2019, baby. It's not 2018. It's not 2017. It's not 2015. It's 2020. Walk like you're saved. Walk like you're anointed. Walk like you're delivered. Walk like you're healed. Walk like therefore now there is no condemnation. Here it is. That's Joshua chapter 5 verse 9. The Lord said, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you today. Therefore, I call this place Gilgal. Woo, woo, woo. Raise your right hand. Here's what, the Lord, here's what the Holy Spirit is telling you right now with this point. I have separated you. There's nothing in your past that can stop your future. I feel the Holy Ghost. This is for somebody here. You're going back to the altar, but God has reminded you. You're going back to the altar. It's good to go back, but back to the altar, to the first love. But he has completely separated. Here's, here's the word of the Lord. He has completely separated you from the old you. The old you did not survive the last decade. Oh, you missed it. When you, I feel the Holy Ghost as I tell you, when you stepped into 2020, the old you try to get in, but the angel of the Lord said, you're not going anywhere. Uh-uh, not, not this time. The old you try to sneak into this decade, but God said, that old you is dead. Are you with me right now? I'm here to tell you, the old you, the broken you, the sinful you, the defeated you, is all under the blood of Jesus. It's the new you I hear the Lord saying and I say this because this is fresh this is not like rehash stuff here this is fresh as Panera bread can possibly be I wrote it as the spirit of God gave it to me and I am separating you I have rolled away your shame your condemnation and your pain and the Lord says the pain of your past can never compare to the prize of your future the Lord says, remind you, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you're willing to go back to Gilgal this year, go back to the altar, go back to getting on your knees, go back to in the word of God like where you were at first. And if you're willing not to go back to the old you, but go back to the reminder that God separated you from the past and there's nothing in your past that can stop you, raise one hand. If you believe that your children will never go back to their past, never go back to your past, raise both hands. If you believe, if you believe with me that you're about to see mantles, anointings, favors from heaven descend upon you, raise both hands and a foot. So all right, let, let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. 
Real quick, we're done. Real quick. Keep your eyes on the prize. I sense the Holy Spirit. I just sense the Holy Spirit. I just feel the Spirit of God saying, we don't need more stages. We need more altars. I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord just saying altars. I just see prophetically. I mean, because I, I just see prophetically people running to a place where they come and they give everything to God. And I know it sounds weird that this, this idea of a safe space, but the idea that you can come to a place and just say, here I am, and here I am, here I am. You show up. And, and, and by the way, this, this, we, 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 I don't know why God is telling me to go this route right now. This idea, even at church, you know, do you want to give your life to God? And now in, in, in the 21st century, we're so politically correct that we do it kind of quietly. We, so if you want to give your life to God, take, take your right hand only put it in your pocket so no one can see it and don't even say it out loud say it in your mind because we're not here to embarrass you ladies and gentlemen we are not here to embarrass you true we're not here to embarrass you but if you publicly confess Jesus that's not me the book says the Bible says if you publicly confess me I will publicly confess you if you publicly let the world know that you are mine I will let the universe know that you are mine is there anyone here who is not ashamed of the gospel of his name so when you come to this church never be afraid of the altar don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to bring it all. Don't be afraid to say, help me. Don't be afraid. And by the way, if, 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 if we are myopic and, and, and deficient, we will limit this to a physical place in the building. There's an altar in your home. There's an altar in your car. No, I don't know if you're getting this. I have an altar in my room. I have a bunch of altars. Pastor Sam, you, you, you create stuff? That's kind of weird. It's not even a, I don't have stones. I don't have a podium. I have a place where I go and I go, oh God, here it is. This is my, here, I'm here. I'm here, God. I remember, are you with me right now? God is looking for people that will go back to Gilgal and understand that the breakthrough takes place when you want to re-emerge with your first love. We got to hurry. We gotta hurry. Pastor Phyllis is giving me the cue. So we gotta hurry. Keep your eyes on the prize by letting go of an experience and holding on to a relationship. Mm, you, you'll get this in a second. So they went to Gilgal, right? Elijah looks at Elijah and says, This is the Gilgal. Did you get it? This is the Gilgal. This is the altar. This is that, that, this is that first love, the first encounter, the first breakthrough, and the reproach. Chop, chop, chop. You get it? Got it. Let's go to the next place. But before we go there, why don't you stay here? Huh? You stay. I'm going to continue on my journey. You want me to do what? Stay here. Well, hold on a second. You want me to stay at Gilgal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. I'm, I'm going. Um, um, no. Pardon me? No. What do you mean no? Sir, respectfully with great due deference. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. He passed the test, the stay here test. Elijah looked at Elisha and says, tell him to stay there. It was a test. 
It really was. It's all, it, it, it was all a test. It's a test for the emergency broadcast system. It's only a test. <laughs> Have you, did you guys ever grow up with that? You never grew up with that, right? So my generation grew up with that. Don't forget, I grew up Pentecostal, right? Until um, so Pentecostal, we heard about the rapture every single day. So I'm, I'm like nine years old. My dad bought me a black and white TV, Pennsylvania. My Mack truck working dad bought me a TV. And, and, and I had a black and white TV, right? Didn't have cable back then, just over the air stuff, because he didn't want any cable stuff just for me to watch simple stuff like Leave it to Beaver and that kind of stuff, Gomer Pyle, that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden, in my Star Trek, of course, and, and so the one, I'm, I remember, I'm nine years old, all of a, and I just came from a Sunday service where Jesus is coming. When he's coming, oh, everything's going to, all of a sudden, you know, I stayed up a little bit beyond my bedtime, and I saw. <laughs> Be. But this time it hesitated. It didn't go like beep one second. This is only a test. No, man. That suckered me in. Because that, that, this only a test disclaimer didn't come till after a minute. So for 60 seconds, I'm thinking, oh, my God. Jesus came. And so help me, I'm not making this up. I went room by room. So, but, but my mistake, Nathan, was I went to my sister's rooms first. And they were there. And then my mind said I would expect them to be left behind. So... <laughs> So, not making it up. So I went like, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. We just fought. I would expect you to be left behind. So then I wanted to go into my parents' room, but that was a sacred room, right? You don't play with that. So I'm thinking, God, I hope they don't see me. I hope it's not locked. I hope, and I twisted the knob, and it wasn't locked. And I go, this is going to be weird. And my dad hears it. Oh, it's going to be Puerto Rican heaven coming down on me. So I'm just, I just opened the door a little bit, and I couldn't see anything because it was dark. So I'm going, God, this man can snore if he can just just a little bit show me a sign show me a sign I waited there for minutes until my dad just went uh, uh, and I went oh yes my lord Jesus hey 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 it's totally a test ladies and gentlemen we all get tested we all get tested of whether or not we're willing to live in the experience of a moment and stay enamored of an experience or whether or not the relationship trumps the experience you missed that Gilgal for life. Gilgal, you go, you visit, you activate your first love, but there's other things to do in the journey holding on to your first love. You want to get stuck at Gilgal? You want to stay stuck in that chapter of your life? We all get tested. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. And do we stay behind? How many times have you failed the test? Will you stay in that one season? Will you stay in that one experience? Will you be satisfied with that singular moment? Will you become complacent when you get comfortable? Gilgal was the good thing. Elijah tested Elijah. Will you stay here in this moment, in this season, in this chapter? Will you be satisfied just with this? And Elijah said, no. He said, wherever you go, I will go. Woo. Watch this. When we have negative experiences, it is easy to move on. As believers, as children of the cross, as those designated to live life and life abundantly. We get tested all the time, but not between bad and good. We get tested between good and great. You'll get this tomorrow morning. It's easy to be tested between failure and success because no one's going to choose failure. We're going to go to success. It's difficult when we are tested between surviving and thriving. Some people get stuck in the good when God has something great for them. 
Some people get stuck surviving when God wants them thriving. And here's the word of the Lord. This decade, you will not get stuck. God has more for you. I'm here to tell you, whenever you hear something telling you, stay here as it pertains to a moment, an experiential circumstance that's not part of a relationship, that is fruit-bearing for, forevermore. I need you to look at that moment and say, I am not staying here. God has something more. I dare you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I did not stay in 2019. I did not stay in 2015. I did not stay in 2010. I want something more. Now open up both your mouth with both hands, lift it up and say, there's more coming. More of his presence. More of his glory. More of his power. More of his love. More of his truth. More of his character. I want more of the Father. More of the Son. And more of the Holy Spirit. This is the year of more. This is the decade of more. With your hands raised, I'm not kidding. Look at one neighbor and tell that neighbor, let me warn you. I'm asking for more. But I have news for you. God is not going to give me what I've been asking for. You need to get ready. Because when you see me next, you will see God giving me exceedingly, abundantly, above all anything I have ever imagined or asked for. I'm here to tell you that's your year and that's your decade. I'm going to say that one more time. That's your year. That's your decade. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all, anything and everything you have ever imagined or asked for. More people saved. More people delivered, more healed, more set free, more baptized on the Holy Spirit. More people casting out devils, shifting the atmosphere. Keep your eyes on the prize by letting go of the experience and holding on to the relationship. And the final point is this, completely applicable to today and tomorrow. And the Holy Spirit lined it up. It wasn't intentional by me. It was God ordained through the narrative, and I smiled when I saw it. Keep your eyes on the prize by letting go of the hard place and holding on to the dream. So let me explain what happens. So they go, they go. Where do you want to go? You, you're not going to stay in Gilgal? No. We're going to a place called Bethel. We're going to Bethel. Yes. We're going to Bethel. Why Bethel? Bethel was the place in Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob put his head on a rock. He, read it, verse 10 to 19. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you this. With its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were going up and coming down and coming down and going up. And there above it, always above it, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give your descendants in you the land which you are lying. And, and he promised them. And surely this was the place. He woke up and said, here it is. He said he called that place Bethel because it was the place, that place of the breakthrough. He put a stone. I want you to hear this. He even put an oil and anointed the top of the rock. So I'm, I'm here. Why Bethel? I'm here to tell you. Watch this. You're going to see what you've never seen before. I feel the Lord now as I tell you this. You're going to see the Lord. You're going to see the glory of God in you, with you, and through you like never before. But it begins when you begin at the altar. When It begins at Gilgal. <clears throat> When you go back to the altar, when you go back to your first love, when you 
realize that you are permanently separated from the reproach and the condemnation and the shame and that nothing in your past can stop you. Then you go to Bethel. That was the next step. It's not a coincidence. It was the next step. He didn't begin at Bethel. He began at the altar in the beginning. He began in the place where the reproach was removed. He began at that place. But then he went to the place where he can dream. You can't dream unless your reproach is removed. You can't dream full of guilt and shame. When No, that's not even a dream. That the stuff you had before the blood of Jesus, it was only an illusion. It's not a dream. But a dream, when God says, I have a dream for you, all of a sudden this man went to Bethel and he put his head on a hard place. And then he saw angels coming down, going up and coming down. And he saw the Lord saying, I got this. I'm going to give you this. Everything is yours. You're going to possess it. And your children's children, they will possess it. And then he got up and said, I'm going to call this place Bethel. It's no longer what it used to be called Luz. It is now called Bethel. And he anointed the place. What am I telling you? I'm here to tell you that this decade, the dream that God has placed inside of you, I'm not kidding you. The dream, the dream, not the dream that God has placed in you. You know that dream, that crazy dream that if you would tell others about your dream, they would think you're nuts. They would think you need a lot of Zoloft and Prozac and Xanax, that you're not going to make it throughout the week. You have a dream. That crazy dream you have, that's not because you ate pizza. It's not because you overindulge. That dream you have is a God beautiful dream. And I'm here to tell you to put a smile on your face because you and your family and your friends and even your haters will see your dream come to pass this decade in the name of Jesus. Are there any dreamers in the house? If you have a dream for yourself, if you have a dream for your family and your future, raise both hands. If you have a dream that, of course, comes out of the reality that Christ is the Lord of your life and that he is the one ordaining that dream and he will make that dream a reality as you pursue righteousness, raise both hands. If you believe that there's nothing that can stop that dream from becoming a reality, lift up both hands really high. If you're not going to leave this decade with that dream, unrealized, unfulfilled, but that dream will be a reality, materialized, manifest. It will be tangible and measurable. Raise both hands and a foot. And one more thing. If you believe the nightmare of the last decade is now replaced with a dream for this decade, can you give God the best shout you've given him in 2020 thus far? I dare you to lift up your hands. I dare you to shout, I have a dream. Tell your neighbor, I have a dream for my family. I have a dream for my calling. I have a dream for my future. I have a dream for my finances. I have a dream for this city. I have a dream for this nation. All the dreamers in the house, all the dreamers. We need a church full of dreamers. We need a church full of people with dreams. Stand with me. You're already standing, those that are not. Your dream, your dream, your dream, what is your dream? In 2020, your hard place will become your high place. Your nightmare has been replaced by a God-given dream. Oh, now, now here we go, here we go. I don't know what we had in that, that airplane, but there's a prophetic anointing here. I'm going to tell you right now, you and your family will see heaven coming down. What if I tell you in the name of Jesus that this, this is the decade where your dream will become a reality? That the dream that God has placed in you, for you, with you, and through you will become a reality? Somebody shout, it's Bethel time. 
No, but if you actually believe it, then just say it's Bethel time. What's your dream? Like, how crazy is it? How crazy is it? You can only have that dream after you've been to Gilgal. Only after you recapture your first love. Only after you go back to the beginning. Only after you come to the full realization that there's no reproach on you. No shame to your name. Nothing can condemn you. That you are under the blood and the canopy of the forgiveness of Jesus. That Christ is your everything. Now, what's your dream? How crazy is it? I want to hear it. How crazy is your dream? If your dream is to wake up in the morning, go to work, get a Starbucks at 12, come back at 5 o'clock, live out, survive the traffic of 99 or 5, 80, get home, binge a little bit, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus now, so many platforms we're losing count, and watch a game and go to sleep. If that's your dream, no, that's routine. Good routine, not bad. What's your real dream? Like if someone would sit you down and you're 89 years old and they're interviewing you for the, the exit interview, not that you're going to die when you're 89, but your exit interview of your journey, and they would go, did you fulfill your dream? What would you say? Don't die with that dream. Don't die with the dream. You know how many, the vast majority of cemeteries are full of people, not just bodies and cadavers, but dreams buried that never came to pass. Why? Why? Because it was only a dream. No, no, no. This man had a dream. And he gave, he, that dream was born in his hard place, in the hard season of his life, and in relationally with dynamics in his family, and physically speaking, literally, he had his head on a rock. And he had the best dream ever. How many know some of the best dreams are born in our most difficult hours? How many have been there where, where God gave you a dream in some of the most difficult chapters of your life? Raise both hands. So I'm going to ask you one more time. Does that dream still live? Do not permit this decade to exit without the realization of that dream. Gilgal, baby. It begins with Gilgal. It begins at the altar. It begins with your first love. It begins coming back to the fullness of the grace-filled work of Christ. And then your dream. Can you lift up your hands? Father, can you make every dream, every dream in this auditorium, those that are watching right now online around the world, can you make every dream a reality? Yes, you can. I'm asking you, oh, dream weaver, to make these dreams a reality. Lord, I see just... The angels coming up and down in our families. A ladder, a ladder, a ladder, a ladder in each family, in each household where heaven is forever coming down. In the name of Jesus. Here's a word for someone here. Last time, the dream was squelched, crushed because of circumstances in your life. The Holy Spirit on this day is telling you to dream again. Don't be afraid to dream again. I hear the Spirit of God saying the outcome will be different. You're under me. You're with me. I got you. It's my dream in you, with you, and through you. God says dream again. Can you just lift up your hands a little bit higher? You don't have to. If you want to, again, we don't do coercion, manipulation here. I just, want, I just feel the Lord. Dream again. Dream again. Believe again. Love again. Trust again. Hope again. 
do it again. The Lord says this time it will be different. The outcome will be different. Because he says, I am the God of the outcome. I am the God. I am the Lord of the outcome. I feel God. 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 Lower your hands for a second. Look up. I'm going to dismiss. I'm going I'm to wrap up here and raise, do something. I don't move here. Sacred moment. This weekend, this message, even this part of the dream, by coincidence. So help me. Was it intentional? It happens to line up with this commemorative weekend. Whereas a nation now, we honor the legacy of a person who struggled and fought for equality to bring down the devil of bigotry and racism and discrimination. A hero that inspired me as it pertains to his prophetic activism. What he did prophetically in his activism. Not a perfect man. But a man that God, a flawed man that God used, without a doubt. It's pretty interesting how God uses broken people and flawed people. If you want God just to use pristine people, good luck with that. But this man had an iconic speech called, I Have a Dream. Every single year, I like to read that of the Samuel Rodriguez version of the dream that I have. And if you come in agreement with it in the point, just say amen and we'll wrap up with this. I have a dream. I have a dream that this generation will recognize the image of God in every human being. In and out of the womb without exception. I have a dream. I have a dream that the church of Jesus will rise up holy, united, shining the light of truth and love. I have a dream. I have a dream that Christ followers will stop hiding at the bottom of the threshing floor. And emerge as mighty heroes of righteousness and justice. I have a dream. I have a dream that as Christians we will be known not by what we oppose or attempt to impose. But rather what we propose. Eternal life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have a dream. That the children of the cross will realize that today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. That moral stagnation leads to spiritual atrophy. And that there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. I have a dream that every life will be protected from the womb to the tomb. Marriages will thrive. And religious freedom will prevail for generations to come. I have a dream that truth will never be sacrificed on the altar of expediency. That love will overcome hate. And the prophetic will silence the pathetic. I have a dream that this generation will reconcile Billy Graham's message of salvation through Christ alone with Dr. King's march, sanctification of service, and conviction of compassion. I have a dream that one day we will primarily see ourselves not as black, white, brown, or yellow, Hispanic, charismatic, automatic, but first and foremost, children of the living God. I have a dream that in our generation, the giants of bigotry, intolerance, hatred, and discord will be slain by the stone of love launched from the slingshot of justice. I have a dream that every single person in the world will discover their true identity. An identity <laughs> that was actually given to us before we appeared in our mother's wombs. 
I have a dream of one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you come in agreement with that dream, give the Lord a praise offering right here. You want to see what you've never seen before? Begin at Gilgal. Go to Bethel. Begin at the altar. Begin with the realization that God separated you from the old you. The old you couldn't make it into this decade. Did not make it. And then have a dream. And then share that dream with those that are going to help you make that dream a reality. Don't share that dream with everyone. Some people are going to run with that dream. No, only with those that God has brought into your life to make that dream into reality. And when that dream becomes a reality, make sure you give God all of the glory, the power, the praise forever and ever. Amen. We're done. Can everybody just repeat after me? This is that decade. I go back to my first love. I acknowledge the fact that nothing in my past can stop me. God separated me from the old me forevermore. And I have a dream. My dream is dangerous. I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to finance your dream. I'm going to send resources for your dream. I'm going to send, I don't know if you're getting this. I am going to send the resources. You pursue me and my resources will pursue you. My blessings will come after you. I will make that dream a reality. If you got this word, raise your hands. Hey, entrepreneurs, what are you waiting for? Hey, creative, what are you waiting for? You're 18, you're 19, you're 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. You're a writer, you're a singer, you're a dancer. You have a creative anointing. There's a generation that's more creative than what we have seen in many years. There's a new renaissance coming. There are new Leonardo da Vinci's and Michelangelo's and Raphael's that are about to emerge. The artists are in town, but not just, not any artist, not just postmodern, modern, contemporary. No, we're talking about Holy Spirit filled artists who will change the world with creative ingenuity. So what are you waiting for, man? Live, run with your dream.